pray with me? God, we thank you for this day, uh, for your word, for the waters of baptism. God, may we be renewed by your spirit, by hearing your word declared and proclaimed. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our heart be acceptable to you, our God and King. Amen. Have you ever met a Boy Scout? Have you ever, yeah, Eagle Scouts, any Eagle Scouts in the house? A couple of them. I personally love Eagle Scouts. Um, They are incredible people. I had this idea at my previous church. I was considered a small church. We didn't have a lot of money at this church, Um, but the church was connected to a preschool as well. And uh, I had this idea of creating uh, an outdoor classroom uh, for these preschool kids. Um, and uh, I think my 90% of my ideas, I think, are pretty brilliant. I'm just saying. Like, you know, maybe 95, but I'll go with 90. You know, I'm a little modest. So anyway, I had this brilliant idea, and I thought everybody was excited for this idea. And um, the project was very simple. It had three things that I needed to do in order to make this outdoor classroom happen. Uh, first, I had to, like, create. We had a little piece of property. I had to create out, create, uh, clean out the overgrown brush that was there. Uh, put some mulch down, uh, build a fence around it so that the kids are safe. And then I had to create this exploration area where kids could uh, sit down and hear some stories that were told by the preschool teachers uh, that they could kind of play with uh, dirt that was there. Uh, And uh, there was research actually done that uh, kids nowadays are not developing their sensory things properly because they don't play with dirt enough. You all know this? This is for real. Like, you know, make sure a crew plays with some dirt today, all right? So just take them in the backyard. You know, it's really important for us to play with dirt. So, and then finally, I wanted to create this other musical area where the kids can make some noise by clicking on some plastic pipes and stuff like that. Again, as I said, this was a brilliant idea, wouldn't you think? Right? And I shared with this with my uh, church leaders, especially the trustees. Who, who said that was a good idea, but they followed with this statement. It happens over and over again. How are you going to pay for it? How are you going to pay for it? And here's what I did. This is the best kept secret, friends. I found three Eagle Scouts. Right? The first Eagle Scout project was to raise money to clear out the brush, build a fence. The second guy came over, did the area where there was exploration, and the third guy did was build musical instrument and it was beautiful and it still functioned to this day see when you speak of the boy scouts or eagle scouts right they live by a certain oath that they take for example the boy scout oath goes this way and if you're a boy scout you can repeat after me on my honor i will do my best to my duty to god and country and to obey the scout law to help other people at all times to keep myself physically strong mentally awake and morally straight this is the scout law this is the oath that guides each and every one that they will be that they will serve their god and their country duty to other people and finally duty to self this is what defines the boy scouts you know if you um and i'm glad for all the scouts who are in this church uh today and for those who have helped with boy scouts as well right but other than Boy Scouts, there are different organizations that kind of function on similar practices or a similar oath. Um, for example, the Lions Club uh, or our military uh, 
operates this way, or the Rotary Clubs. Each group governs themselves by a set of rules. And these guidelines is what sets them apart. For another example is the Marines' motto, right? Always faithful. These two words, always faithful, is essentially shapes who they are as a community and how they care for each other and how they serve our country. Always faithful. This collective identity that we share, uh, not only in these groups, but this can also be found in our cities as well. If you live in Philadelphia, there is a certain sense of identity that we carry. If you live in New York, there is a sense of collective identity that you carry. If you live in New Orleans, there is a sense of identity that you carry, right? And this not only has uh, cities and stuff like, and communities, but also kind of trickle downs to our families as well. I'm sure you've heard this phrase, we are fill in the blanks, whoever you are, and we are this family and we will do it this way. My mom would always say these words, we're doubtless, we don't do homework on Sundays. No, seriously, yes, we never did our homework on Sundays, right? We're doubtless, we don't watch movies, the movies are from the devil. No, seriously, this was a rule, right? For my mom, um, anything that was not part of the Bible, anything that did not come out of a church was from the devil. And you never did anything otherwise, period, right? That's how she raised us. There was a time I was hanging out with my buddy over a summer break, and he invited me to go to the movies. I had never been to the movies before. And I didn't want to tell him the movie's from the devil because then he'll be like, don't go. I wanted to kind of explore what this is all about. So, you know, timidly I walked into the movie theater. I sat in this big room with all a bunch of people. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. Once the movie started, I was scared. Because I thought, Jesus, what happens if Jesus comes back? <laughs> like, I'll be left behind. <laughs> like, I was watching the movie this way. <laughs> it was the worst three hours of my life, friends. The challenge to our identity comes, right? What happens? What happens when you no longer keep those practices? All my kids right now have the, birth, have the name Dodla on their birth certificates. All of them. All four of them. And trust me, I've forced them to do homework on Sundays so that the deadline can be met by Monday. Don't ask me why I didn't remind them on Saturday. But anyway, I was like, you're doing this homework, right? And they watch movies. No, seriously, they watch movies, right? Am I still doubtful, right? This is what defined us by our family name is no longer there. The passage that we read this morning for our meditation is dealing with a crisis of identity. The Christian community was facing its own identity crisis. Here's a quick background uh, as to before we kind of jump to Galatians chapter 3. Here's a quick background. A few weeks ago, uh, we celebrated uh, as a church uh, Pentecost Sunday. And we said that was the day when the church was born. And we were reminded that um, the church was growing in Jerusalem. That's where its birthplace was. And the church started to spread like wildfire. The power of the gospel could not be contained by anyone. 
the power of the gospel was drawn to people who were on the margins, who were poor. They were saying yes to Jesus. The power of the gospel was being drawn to those who were educated and who were rich. No matter who you were, the gospel was true and you were drawn into the story of Jesus and you wanted to say yes and the Christian community started growing by leaps and bounds. Just read the book of Acts and you will see all kinds of people being drawn into the Christian community. This new community was spreading all across the known world. In Acts chapter 9, uh, there was a different shift that starts to take place where salvation not only starts to go for the Jews, but to the Gentiles as well. The power of God's salvation was being given to anyone who calls on the name of the Lord, and they would be saved irrespective of whether they were Jews or Gentiles. The knowledge that Gentiles were not required to first become Jews was a crisis of faith that was being faced by those Jewish Christians on that day. So reading this passage in 2022, right, June of 2022, we might very easily kind of dismiss this background and say, what's the big deal? You don't have to become a Jew. We all know that. You can just say yes to Jesus, and that's it. End of story. But for the early Jewish Christians, this was a huge issue. This was not something that can be brushed off. This was, a, this was no big deal for them. This was, this was huge. And we are removed about 2,000 years from this controversy. So we need to pay attention to how things, how things were happening in the world back then. For the Jewish identity was built around following the laws given by Moses. This is what is called the Torah. The first five books of the Hebrew Bible or the Old Testament give clear instructions to the Jewish people as to how to, they need to live. The first five books of the, of the Old Testament, they give the history of the, how the nation of Israel was formed and the laws as to how they need to live. And if you read the, uh, the Torah, the first five books, you can categorize the laws that were given into three buckets. First, you have the moral law, you have the civil law, and you have the ceremonial law. And all these laws or rules taught us how we need to live. The moral law contains the Ten Commandments. The civil law contains how Jewish people had to govern themselves, how to handle disputes over property and other civil matters. And finally, we have the ceremonial law. What is clean and what is unclean? How men and women were deemed clean and unclean. Which food was clean and unclean? If you, didn't, you did not work on a, the Sabbath, and that's what made you a Jew. You did not worship other idols. You worshiped the only one God, and that's what made you a Jew. And all the Jewish men were circumcised in a world where circumcision was not common. And that's what made you a Jewish person. This is what made you belong to your Jewish family. All this comprised your sense of identity. For generations, each community, tribe, family, individual's identity was based on these rules that they followed and meant keeping the law. 
the crisis that Paul is addressing here is what to do with people who've never followed any of these laws and now all of a sudden are saying yes to Jesus. The question that Paul is trying to address is, do they first follow all these laws and then say yes to Jesus? Does it mean that grown men who were never part of the Jewish faith need to be circumcised in order to follow Jesus? In order to declare themselves as Christians? And these questions were real in the church. They were real and heavily debated. Following the laws gave them an identity. The question, again, for us is, what happens to our identity when we no longer are following the laws that were required by us? Can we bypass all this identity so that we can say yes to Jesus? That is the question that Paul is trying to answer here. And Paul, in verse 23, um, this is what we read. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Paul is actually negating the identity that comes from upholding the law. He's saying the very thing that gave us identity actually held us captive. Following the law did not help us to see the truth fully, to understand our redemption story completely. Paul is telling the Galatian church, especially the Jewish Christian believers, that you got it all wrong. He notes in verses 25 and 26, the law was a vehicle for something bigger. The law was supposed to help us find faith in Jesus Christ. We find salvation when we say yes to Jesus who wants to live our lives by what he taught, not by becoming a Jew. Paul is reasoning his defense here that faith is more important than following the law because of what Jesus has done. He further goes to kind of explain his basis for this argument by talking about what we can learn from Abraham, the one who's called the patriarch of our faith. Abraham and Sarah are called the patriarchs and matriarchs of our faith. It is from their line that the nation of Israel was formed. God has an encounter with a man named Abram in the land of Uz in Genesis chapter 12. And here's how the story is told about our redemption. This is what we read. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country to your kindred and your kindred your father's house, to the land I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abraham left and did as the Lord told him. God told this nomad, Abram, to leave his country and his people and to follow him. And Abraham had faith in this God and he did what God told him to do. That's it. So when Abraham left the land of Uz and his people, he didn't take an oath. He didn't follow a set of rules, but rather Abraham believed in this God and he followed him. He believed these words 
And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you and make your name great. That you will be a blessing. In, and in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here is the key that Paul is teaching the church in Galatians. And this morning, he's teaching us that Abraham's offspring, from Abraham's offspring, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The blessings that Abraham was given from God was never limited to those who followed the law. It was never limited to those whose identity was wrapped up in keeping the law or the rules. But the blessings of Abraham and his offering that was found in Jesus for all. And the key of unlocking those blessings was not following the law, but rather believing in the promise. When we believe in this promise, as Abraham do, we too can experience the blessings promised to Abraham and his offering, offspring. Paul is concluding the following, that the law did not lead to blessing, but rather, friends, believing in God led to blessing. And friends, this is true for us today. When we believe in the Lord, Lord Jesus Christ, we don't need to do a bunch of things in order to receive eternal life and a relationship with Jesus. We don't need to follow all these laws prior to saying yes to Jesus. All we are required to do is confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That we believe that Jesus Christ came into this world as a human being and died on the cross so that your sin and my sin is forgiven. That he conquered sin and death by dying on the cross and raising up on the third day. And all we need to do is believe in this God. And we will be saved. Amen? That is the good news of the gospel. This is the gospel. And this is the gem that Paul pens down for us that signifies the core of our faith. And Paul now is talking about a new identity that we share in Jesus. Verse uh, 27, For as many of you were baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. For there, there is neither Jew nor Greek, neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ. Paul is beginning to say to us that when we are in Christ, we embrace a new identity. When we go through the waters of baptism, we are given a new identity. When I lead the liturgy of baptism, I often ask parents, as I did this morning, what name do you give this child? And this morning, the parents said, Crew Mitch. And I said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is implied when that name is spoken is that child this day was given the last name of God. He was given a new identity. The children who are baptized share the name God. On his forehead, there is a mark that says, this child bears the last name God. That is the identity that is given to all who say yes to Jesus, who are baptized through the waters. 
then Paul takes it to another level. And he breaks down all the barriers that were common in his society. Paul covers every single barrier and speaks of a newfound identity. Barriers of race. There is neither Jew nor Gentile. The Jewish man said this prayer almost daily. And Paul was familiar with this prayer. It went like this. And this spoke of his identity. This is what he would say. Blessed are you, ruler of the universe, who has not made me a woman, or a dog, or a Gentile. This prayer was prayer was said widely. It shows, right, how a man regarded women or those who were not Jews. Paul is saying that there is neither Jew nor Gentile. Our racial identity has no bearing on us. But he goes further than that. He talks about our economic identity. For neither there is slave nor free. In a community where selling and buying of slaves was common, the ones who bought slaves were both Jews and Gentiles. Anyone with money could enslave another. But in Christ, there is no slave and no master. The economic divisions that would make one powerful over the other is broken. For in Christ, we are one. And finally, Paul speaks against patriarchy. In a culture that valued men over women, Paul is reminding us that men and women are co-equal. One can no longer exercise authority or mistreat a woman solely based on their gender as male. And Paul is redefining what it makes us to have a new identity in Christ. Hear the good news, no matter which race you belong to, whether you're white, brown, black, or other, no matter whether you're rich or poor, whether you're male or female, hear the good news, we are all one in Christ. This is the message of the gospel, is what shapes our identity. This morning we live in a society which is much like Paul's, where we as a community and families and individuals are trying to define our own identity based on the principles we live and teach our kids. We live in a fractured society based on race, gender, and economics. At times, our sinful nature sneaks up and makes us think that we are better than you name the other person, group, and you fill in the blank. But the Holy Scriptures reminds us this morning that we are one in Christ. The waters of baptism have given each one of us a new identity. May we be reminded that we are one in Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, neither male or female. We are all one in Christ. Amen? Let us pray. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the waters of baptism that gives us a new identity, that we are one in you, that we are one body. We thank you for this new identity that you have given each one of us this day. 
He asks that you would continue to speak to us as we live into your word. In your name we pray. Amen.